0: As the Sunday school goes out. Actually, as I was getting into bed last night, I said to Sharon, Good news, I think we can do it in under an hour. Her reply was, Hallelujah. <laughs> to be in the house of God, isn't it? Amen. It's great to have his grace and his love and his mercy in our lives. It's great to know that he has been watching over us this past week, isn't it? Things could have been a whole lot worse than it was <coughs> because God's in our lives. Let's just have a word in prayer. Father God in heaven, Lord, we love you. Lord, we praise you and we glorify you. We thank you, Lord, that you're our heavenly Father. We thank you, dear God in heaven, for your involvement in our lives. Lord, for your care for our lives, Lord. God, we thank you for your grace and for your mercy. We thank you, dear God, we can come to you, Lord, and that it is your desire, Lord God, to speak to us. I pray, dear God in heaven, that you give us a word in season today. I pray, dear God, in heaven, you encourage us. Lift us up, Lord. Give us fuel for the road, Lord. And I pray above all, God, that you are glorified and you are praised, Lord. Amen, amen. This morning, I want to speak on the sweet mercy of God. It's a wonderful topic. It's a wonderful subject. But it's more than a subject and it's more than a topic. It has to be more than something... Academic. It has to be something more than a a, a phraseology. It has to be more than something that we we merely acknowledge and and give a nod to. There has to be something more, a connection with the subject. There has to be a connection with the mercy of God for us to fully appreciate it. Now, first of all, I want us to turn to their Bibles, if you have them with you. Turn to Exodus 32. If you don't have a Bible, read on with someone else. If you don't have a Bible, I'll be reading it out anyway. If if you're not sure where that is, turn to Habakkuk and 33 books to the left and you'll find it. Exodus 32. And I'm going to read a few verses, starting at verse 1. It says, and when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mountain, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of Egypt, out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. We don't know what's happened to him. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings. Which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it uh, a molten calf. And, said, and they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt." When Aaron saw it he built an altar before it as before the golden calf and Aaron made proclamation and said tomorrow is a feast to the Lord and they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings and the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play and the Lord said unto Moses go get thee down for thy people which thou bring, broughtest out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves they have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf, and have worshipped it, and I have sacrificed thereunto, and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff necked people. Now therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them. And will make thee a great nation. And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Therefore, wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, for mischief did he bring them out and to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil. Against thy people, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants to whom thou swarest by thine own self, and saidst unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of I will give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. And Moses turned and went down from the mount. And the two tables of the testimony were in his hand. I'll just stop there. It's a rather long reading, by know, but I had to paint the picture, present the scene. The children of Israel have been delivered. They've come to the mount and they have come to get the law. Moses has gone a little bit ahead up the mountain and they've been left alone to their own devices for 40 days. 40 days of normal days, 40 days without... A word from God, 40 days without hearing from Moses. 40 days of just sitting around, same old food, same old day, same old people, nothing happening. Very mundane. 40 days, they start to wonder. They start to question. 40 days, and they start to turn away from God. 40 days, they start to look for other solutions for their problems. 40 days with nothing, and they start to question not so different from us sometimes, is it? If we have 40 days and we don't hear from God or we don't read his word or we don't get anything, we start to wonder. It's a remarkable story. And I think not just because of the aspect that quickly they seem to turn away, that quickly they seem to lose faith, but the remarkable thing is Moses' intervention. You read that story, you see God full of righteous wrath and rightly so. He has sent a deliverer to Egypt, to the to a foreign country. He has raised that man up. He has blessed him. He has anointed him. He has performed many signs, wonders, and miracles. He has brought them out after killing the firstborn of Egypt. He has taken them to the Red Sea. He has destroyed the enemies of Israel. He has destroyed the Egyptian army. He has mightily delivered them. And yet, here, 40 days and they turn away. 40 days. Moses turns to him and says, no wait, Lord, you can't destroy them. No wait, Lord, have mercy on them. Don't wipe them out, just have mercy a little longer. They built this altar to this golden calf and they called it the Lord. This is our new God. You know, there's things that go on in this world, even in in Christian circles or in pseudo cult Christian circles and, and they say, this is our God and they have an image of God and they talk about God in only one way. And it's not right. The children of Israel had created their God At what point do we say, or does God say, enough is enough? At what point does God say, that's it, rolls up the sleeves and gets leathered into them? This was a point, another point, where God said, right, that's it. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. God says, okay, I'm going to wipe them out. And he says to Moses, you know what? I'm going to make of you a great nation. You can see him rolling up the sleeves, getting ready. And he would have been right to. That's the thing. He'd been right to. He had every right to wipe them out. Every right to visit justice and righteousness on them and say, listen, you knew the way. You've turned away. Then Moses interrupts God. Why does he interrupt God? He interrupts God because he knows God. He knew him. He'd spent time with him. I'm not going to say that he was reading the, 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 the Bible around because they had no Bible, but he had spent time alone with God. He'd been in the wilderness. he had seen the miracles. Something in Moses had changed. Something in him had bore the marks of an encounter with God. God said to him, you know, realistically, let's think about it. It'll no longer be the children of Israel, it'll now be the children of Moses. Realistically, he could have gone, you know what, you're right. After all I've done for that, people, I've put up with their murmuring against me. Okay, yes, I know God, you said it against you, but I feel like it's against me. Moses would have been right too. And who could have blamed him? But because of that encounter with God, something of the fingerprint of God had been left on him. Something had marked him. He now knew something about God's character. He knew something about the mercy of God. He picked up on that there part, in verse 10 there just said, uh, God speaking says, now therefore let me alone. In other words, it's like the man, you know, you're having a fight, you don't really want to have a fight and you're of going, oh, leave me alone, leave me alone. Holding him, he's he giving him a hint, a hint of a, of a suggestion, leave me alone. Don't say a thing, I'm gonna get involved that's your opportunity to say a thing. Moses picks up on it. This was a defining moment in Moses' relationship with God and also in his relationship with the people of Israel. Sometimes we can brush over this and and read it very quickly, but it's a defining moment. It's a moment where judgment was coming and judgment was due and the, the due date had arrived and they were Rightly going to receive judgment, and yet the mercy of God intervened. The man of God spoke up and said, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy on this, your people. He might not have said the words, but clearly from the scripture, from the passages, that's what he's saying. Have mercy. Don't forget your promises to them. Don't forget what you've said to their forebears. Don't forget what you'd said to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Don't forget, Lord God, your promises. You know, God, it, one of the old Puritans said that mercy is one of the sweetest attributes of God. Thomas Watson actually said, mercy sweetens all of God's attributes. If it wasn't for mercy and we stood in the full glare of his righteousness and his judgment and his justice, which are right and proper, if we stood in the full glare of them without mercy, where would we be? It is the mercy of God that we are still here today. It is the mercy of God that reached out to us and delivered us. It is the mercy of God on us that has marked our character. It's important that we remind ourselves of the mercy of God. The first two songs we sang this morning had had the word mercy in it. And I was going like, let's see if they've all got it in it today. They did, but maybe not in the word. They maybe didn't say the word. The mercy of God is a precious thing to us. As a pastor, Moses deserved a medal. I think most people who read the Old Testament, especially the book of Exodus, comes to that conclusion. This man had put up with so much, was tempted so often to turn his back on them. I'm sure. I'm sure he could have snuck out of the tent in the middle of the night and left them to it. I'm sure he could have stepped at this time and go, no, God, leave him alone. God said he was going to judge the sins of the congregation that was a terrible day to show up to church. How many pastors would stand in the gap? How many pastors know us so well? And, and they, they, you know, if God was to say to them, that's it. I'm gonna visit judgment on the house of the Lord today, Sunday morning, and we're gonna leather into them. How many ta- chast- pastors would say, but Lord, what of your mercy? I'm sure there's a lot that would. But I'm sure there's a few moments where they would go, yeah, they deserve it. Many would step would consider stepping aside at that time. Some even might come along and help. (laughs) But God is a good God. Moses knew God. It's easy to become calloused and hardened sometimes in certain ways of thinking. And my intention, when, I, when, I, when I was, this is something God's been dealing with me, and my intention is not to, to, to well, yes, I am preaching to the choir in many ways, but my intention is to remind us of the mercy of God. In this day and age where mankind in the streets has become so hardened, hardened by sin, hardened by the, the, the ways of thinking, and even Christians have become hardened by, by religion, and hardened by pride. Pride sneaks up in every one of us. Don't be deceived. It, it sneaks up in, a, in a, a subtle way. But the mercy of God reminds us that we have no right to be proud, that we have no right to be arrogant, because we are all the same. We all deserve judgment. And it is only the mercy of God that we can stand. You know, as truth is you cannot expect to know God I don't know his heart unless you've spent time with him. Spending time with God marks us, as I said. It, 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 it leaves a print on us. Part of the reason I, I, I enjoy the challenge of sharing is, is the time that you spend in, in the word and in the study. You know, It's the time you do that. The actual delivering part of it, oh my word. I'm on Valium. that's all I'm saying. <laughs> it's the mercy of God. But Moses spent time alone with God. He knew his character. He knew just through conversations with him. I mean, it even speaks there in Exodus about the tent of meeting, which was set outside the camp. And Moses would go out to the tent of meeting and he would gather and, and God was there. If you read before the, that, there, um, Exodus 32, if you go back a few chapters and you start to read how Moses went up the mountain and God talked to him and God had a conversation. Listen, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to decide. And through that, their conversations, through that speaking to him, through that time alone with God, God changed him, molded him. I'm sure life and circumstances had a good part in that as well, but often that's what God uses on us is circumstances to soften us. The mercy of God is all over Scripture. Everywhere throughout Scripture, you cannot help but turn and find it check it out. You can find it everywhere. So, so many verses. Often, you know, we sing about grace and we talk about grace and grace is great. And it's, it's, it's coupled with mercy. Grace, uh, mercy is the arm that extends the hand of grace. God didn't have to give us grace. It was his arm extended with grace at the end. <laughs> And that's where we sort of, you know, that's why it's good of us to to think about the full picture, to think about God and all his attributes, because they all link together. That's one of the the things I found in Bible college was as I was studying things, I'm going like, okay, this is this subject and this is this subject. But you find that the the scriptures and the, the characteristics of God permeate everything. They cross over. And it's important for us to look at these things and think about God and his mercy to us. So we don't create, a, a, like I said earlier there, a caricature, a, a false image of God. But this message here from uh, Exodus and about the mercy of God, I believe it's a, a vital message for our day and age, especially in our world as this, with the pride and the arrogance. And in our church, oh, definitely in our churches, we need mercy. So much wrong in this world so much twisting of the truth, of it, truth never mind the truth. Any truth is twisted. Intolerance, see it every day. Sin on every street corner. This generation has dressed up sin, given it a new dress, and tries to present it as something respectable and even harmless. we should be a people who stand up and say, have mercy, O God. I, I'm not calling us to say, to go out to the world and say, there's sin in every street corner. You're all intolerant. You're all full of pride. You're all, I'm not saying that at all. What I think we should do is go to God and go, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy, O God, on our town. Have mercy, O God, on our families. It should be a cry of our hearts. Lord, have mercy. Spare your judgment a little while longer. Don't wipe them out. See, in our self righteousness, we can get to the point where we go, they deserve judgment. They deserve all they get. But that's not right. It's not right. Yes, it's right in one respect, they do. But we should be calling out, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy on this generation, on these people who are so hell bent on hell. They seek it, they don't even know it, but they chase after it. We should be going, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy one more time, O oh God. Lord, have mercy. They know not what they do. Remember Jesus said those words on Calvary's cross? They knew exactly what they were doing, but they didn't. Lord, have mercy. Do we scoff at the person who contracts some disease or illness because of their lifestyle, their life choices? Girl, I work with her mother-in-law has COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, and is in a very serious condition. Was was hospitalised, came out and told, "Here's some oxygen, take it when you need it." Three months later, started smoking again. Back in the hospital, stabilised, released again, bit more oxygen. Now, in one aspect, you could go, you know what? They should know better. And they should. They really should. In this day and age, they should know better. But you know what? I just feel so sorry for her. I say, Lord, have mercy. I keep talking to her her daughter-in-law who works for me. I keep talking to her about God and the things of God. You know, just hoping. And, you know, she's not a Christian. She's not from a Christian home. But I keep talking about the mercy of God and about God. God cares. There is a better way. We shouldn't be the, the cheerleaders for judgment. We shouldn't be the Cheerleaders for God's wrath. Those are right things, but we should be the cheerleaders for mercy. Us above all, above all, above all, we should be cheerleading mercy. We should be the ones saying, "Lord, have mercy. You've had a mercy on me. Have mercy on them." Moses stood in the gap. Moses stepped up. He was the cheerleader. He said, "Lord, what about your promises?" What about this people? You, you've told them, that their fathers, that you would multiply their seed. You told them that you would give them a great inheritance. Have mercy. We should be the ones cheering on God's mercy. Lord, have mercy on us. I'm sure, as we all know, mercy is that aspect. It's the distinction is that when we do not receive what we do deserve. And grace is when we receive what we don't deserve. It's important that we highlight these things and we think about these things. Bringing it forward a little bit, let's turn to Psalm 51. Psalm 51. I'm only going to read a couple of verses. We were talking about Moses stepping into the gap there to have mercy on the, the, the people of Israel. This, is, uh, this becomes a bit more personal. This is David's great psalm where he prays to God asking for mercy. Psalm verse, uh, 51 verse one says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. The mercy of God. David, after his well-known sin with Bathsheba, has come to God in this moment of repentance after Nathan the prophet has confronted him and he's calling out to God, you know what, I've spent time alone with you and I know that I have sinned against you and I know that I have done a wrong thing and it's not right. He didn't say I've sinned against Bathsheba and against Uriah, as I've sinned against God. Remember Joseph, whenever he was uh, confronted by Potiphar, uh, yeah, Potiphar's wife and he turned he says, I cannot do this against you or your master or against God. David here in Psalm 51 saying, I know that I have sinned against you, but Lord have mercy on me. Have mercy upon me. According to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Those three things there, mercy, loving kindness, and tender mercies is all the same idea. It's all mercy. It's all crying out to God for mercy. It's developing it. Lord, have mercy. There's a superficial sort of mercy, but no, no, go beyond that. Have a, have a, a more serious mercy. And he gets the tender mercies The point, the word there used for tender mercies is a, uh, it's a motherly mercy. It's a uh, tender, intimate, personal mercy. Listen, God, the sin, I know, I I have to own it. It's mine. I did it. I did wrong. But Lord, have mercy. Have mercy on me. then whenever we are aware, of at times like this, when we are aware of God's mercy, it's easier for us to walk humbly before God. He is holy and righteous. No sin can dwell in the presence of God. It is cast out, in fact, cast out of that place of perfection. As a fallen world, we await the judgment of God and we deserve it. It says in Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Judgment rightly should come, but it's the mercy of God. And it's as relevant a message today as it ever has been. The mercy of God that extends the grace of God to us. You know, the UK needs the mercy of God. Northern Ireland needs the mercy of God. With all the trouble we have had over the last century, let's go back a century, with all the trouble we have had, this, this country needs the mercy of God. From, from the, the sin and from the, the proud religion, we need the mercy of God. This village needs the mercy of God. Our families need the mercy of God. You know, you have that loved one who's running out into the world full of their own plans, their own ideas and their own experiences and is running away and doing whatever they want. Oh, pray for the mercy of God in their life. Don't pray that, you know, Lord, I pray the crash and fall. Well, it's okay to pray that a bit. But Lord, pray for the mercy of God. Pray that God will intervene. Pray that God will, will step in and, and do something and speak to them. Do we stand in the gap for our family, for our friends, for our neighbours? Do we stand up and say, Lord, have mercy on them. Moses could have stood back and, and let God wipe out the children of Israel, you know, ultimately he would be exonerated. They would have said, you know what, Moses? You were right after all this time. You did the right thing. You are the man. Did he step back? He would have been elevated. As I said, it would have, he would have, it wouldn't have, it would have been to come the children of Moses instead of the children of Israel, but he did not. He spoke up. He intervened. He stood in the gap, knowing the character of God, knowing that God, what God was like, knowing that God delights in showing mercy. He actually delights in it. In Genesis chapter eight, talks about the story of Noah. We've all there's a movie coming out. I think my brother seen it. His only comment was it rains a lot. But in Genesis 8, it talks about the story of Noah and we all know the story. God says, this, this world's wicked. I'm gonna wipe them out. And God says that Noah found favor in the sight of God and he built the ark. So we all remember Ron and Nancy Walsh who were here. And Noah built the ark and went and lived in the ark and was, was preserved, was saved. There's judgment coming on mankind and a pocket of God's mercy preserved for it. And Noah came out of the ark in in Genesis 8 and 20. And it says, And Noah built an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings unto the Lord. And it says, And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. There was something about Noah in this act of of worship to God and in thanks for the mercy that he had been received. God, you have been merciful. You have spread spared me and my family. You have given mankind a chance to continue. Lord, you have been merciful. You could have wiped us all out. And he offers an offering to God and the aroma of it arises to God and it says it was a sweet smelling savor. See, God takes pleasure in mercy. He doesn't take pleasure in judgment. He doesn't take pleasure in judging people and, you know, punishing his creation. He doesn't take pleasure in that. That is just something that that he does and needs to be done and it is part of his character. It is his mercy that he takes pleasure in. He takes pleasure in offering that hand of of grace with the, the arm of mercy. He takes pleasure in offering mercy. Generation after generation can testify we're not the first Christians on this earth and we'll not be the last. Noah survived the flood with his family and gave offerings of thanks and praise to God for his mercy and it was a sweet smelling savor. There's something, you know, what is important for us as believers, if we can't, you know, if we can't praise God for good health, if we can't praise him for prosperity, if we can't praise him for peace in our lives, peace in our souls, okay, we can, but peace in our lives, if we can't praise him for those things, at least we can praise him for his mercy. We can praise him for his mercy. Let's let's start there. You know, you've been merciful to me, O God. I didn't deserve it, but you have been merciful to me. Remember the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament where the Moses came down with the two tablets and they were put into the Ark of the Covenant? Remember from Raiders of the Lost Ark? Remember the Ark of the Covenant? And you remember what the top part was called? The part on top that had the cherubim? It's called the mercy seat. That was where the presence of God dwelt. The shekinah of glory of God hovered there. The, 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 the construction of the whole thing was uh, wood overlaid with gold, but when it came to the mercy seat, it was solid gold. Solid gold. And that speaks of, it's all of God. There's nothing of mercy and nothing in us that can create the circumstances ready for God's mercy. We can't in ourselves manipulate God to, to give us mercy. It actually says in the scriptures, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And what the implication is, there's nothing you can do to earn mercy. Because if you could earn mercy, it wouldn't be mercy. It would be reward. But God is a God of mercy. God is a God who delights in mercy. On the day of atonement, and at Yom Kippur, what they would do is they would sacrifice the animals, and this smell again would rise to heaven, and it would be a sweet-smelling savour. And they would go, and they would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. God takes pleasure in being merciful. Even when the children of Israel broke the covenant, he still abided faithful and still extended his arm of mercy. Lamentations 3.22 says, It is the Lord's mercy, mercies that we are not consumed because of his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It is the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. And he delights in it. I think that's just wonderful. I think that's just great. He delights in being merciful. I want a final reading not quite finished yet but I want a final reading Psalms again 103 there's so many Psalms so many verses throughout scripture that speak of the mercy of God Psalm 103 we all know it's very well known but I want to look at this again let's just read this again just think of these words Isn't God good? Bless the Lord, oh my soul, you have delivered me. You have been merciful to me. Praise the Lord for his mercy. He has given us so much. He has preserved us from so much. If we were to know the half of the things that could could have happened to us, whether we were in the world or whether judgment had come on, if we were to know half the things, maybe curl your hair, I tell you. If we were to know half of the things, but his mercy has preserved us, it has spared us. This psalm speaks very specifically about the mercy of God. Would it not have been easier for God to just wipe out mankind, wipe out the children of Israel in that case? You know, God is in a timeless place. Time matters nothing to him. He could have wiped us all out and started again. He could have wiped out the children of Israel rightly and go, I'll give them another another thousand years and we'll, we'll be well in the way with Moses' children. God, nothing to God, but his mercy, his mercy intervened. Time is not an issue where he lives. <coughs> Remember that image in the scriptures there, Hosea? Hosea and his wife, Gomer, and she went off and after they'd had their children, she went off back to her, her, her ways. And Hosea went out after her. What a, what a powerful image of the mercy of God. Powerful image. He paid a price he didn't owe. God is a God of mercy. His justice and righteousness would be fearful and dreadful possibilities if it were not for his mercy. In the full glare of his holiness, would we, not, we would not stand a chance, but his mercy is extended to us. Says Psalm 103, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. We are people who are saved. We are people who are marked by mercy. He didn't have to do it. That's, that's the point of mercy. He didn't have to do it. It is the mercy of God that still offers salvation to this generation. You know, I, like anyone who's a believer, we, we, we get excited about the second coming of Christ, especially you read the, the book of Revelation and you see the imagery of him coming back on a, on a great white horse and the enemies of God being slaughtered before him. And we get really excited about that and rightly so. But at the same time, you know, this past week, as I said, studying this subject, studying this, I've gone, you know, wait a while longer, Lord, just just a while longer. Let us get the message out a bit more. Let us tell our family a few more times. Let us pray to God and ask him again for the mercy, for mercy upon our generation. This is a relevant message. People out there only know of God and think of him as, as a judge. And they think of him in terms of their caricatures, as we were saying earlier, they're caricatures of his real nature but if they knew about the mercy of God, about the salvation of God that is freely offered to them. David said, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest. God, in heaven have mercy. It is against the holy God that we have sinned. We watch the news or watch movies and soaps and th- things like that there and we get desensitized to it. It becomes just something that happens. It's just no big deal. You listen to the news and do you ever think, oh, that's terrible, that is sad, that has happened to someone's, someone's family, that has happened to someone's husband, to someone's wife, to someone's kids. Do you ever think in those terms? And I don't want us to become hugely distracted with those, but what do we ever think, Lord, Have mercy that's terrible. I know what it's like to be desensitized. I have been desensitized. We see so much on TV and in movies. And I, I, I like movies, but you see so much, you become desensitized. I can think a few years ago where, I mean, a few years ago, I was with friends and we were watching a movie and it was a crime movie of some sort. I can't even remember what it was. And in it, there was, a, it was implied that, that one of the characters, one of the victims was uh, was raped. And I, it just passed over and walked on. The story went on and someone ran out in tears. I just, I went, what was that all about? Didn't know what had happened. Little did I know that a person had actually been raped. Do we, do, do we become desensitized to those around us, to what they're going through? Do we become desensitized to, by the sin in this world that we don't think of others, that we don't think that, hang on, This world's not right. We need to call out for the mercy of God. We get it every day. But God lives in a place where he is merciful and he pours out his mercy. I'm not calling on us to become critical, as I said, of of the world and of sin. Yes, we should point it out. Yes, should we say that's not right? But at the same time, we should be ones who call out for mercy. We offer them a different way. We tell them about the mercy of God and the grace of God that has been poured out in this day. One of the questions that is often thrown in our faces, mainly by the media, very seldom by actual people, they all say, you know, if God is a God of grace and mercy, how come there's so, so much sin in the world? How, much, how come there's so tsunamis? How come there's sex trafficking? How come there's knife crime? There's uh, drugs? There's war in Syria? There's, there's persecution? There's... there's, there's abuse, uh, you know, how come there's these things if God is a God of mercy and grace? Simple fact is that because he is a God of mercy and grace is that he doesn't pour out his judgment. It would be right for him to say, you know what? You've got less of me in your life. You've got less of me in your community. You've got less of me in your city, your town. You've got less of me in your language. You deserve what you're getting. But it's because he's a God of mercy that he doesn't pour out judgment yet. Speaks of in the book of Revelation, the cup of his wrath will be full and it'll be time. But until then, Lord, have mercy. It says in James chapter two, verse 13, it says, mercy triumphs over judgment. And when I was thinking about that verse, and I was thinking about the idea that mercy triumphs over judgment. I, I was thinking of two fighters and I was thinking of one of them is a big guy. You know, I, I was thinking of actually two specific ones, but i am not mentioning them because you don't know them. Uh, but I was thinking of these two fighters, one of them, world champion, big guy. He trains hard. He, he's muscles and muscles and muscles. And, and he's a great fighter and he knows his Muay Thai. He knows his kickboxing. He knows his jujitsu. He knows it all. He knows all the moves and he's fighting someone else. He's fighting Jackie Chan. You know, and on paper you would go, Judge, that's it, the big guy's going to get it, he's going to win. But mercy triumphs over judgment, anticipates, intervenes, intercedes, interrupts, gets in the way and holds back judgment a little while longer. trying to shorten it <laughs> and after, it says in Ezra nine 13, I'll just jump on this verse it says after all that has come upon us for our evil deeds and our great guilt since you our God have punished us less than our iniquities deserve and have given us such deliverance as this should we again break your commandments Obviously, this is after the dispersion of the Jews coming back. You know, when I became a believer in Christ as a young child, I knew nothing of judgment. I knew nothing of, uh, of God's holiness. I knew, I knew what Jesus was like. I'd read all the stories on Jesus. And my, my mom and dad had talked about Jesus and the Sunday school teachers had told me about Jesus. And I became enamored and I came in, in love with Jesus and who he was. But as time has gone by, uh, you know, as you go older, as you go through things, as you see things in the news, as you read more of His Word, you find out, you know what? I I need, I need mercy. I need God to intervene, and that is what He did. You know, it was the mercy of God that sent Jesus to Earth. It was the mercy of God that made Him come to that manger. It was the the mercy of God that had Him grow up and put up with all the things that he put up with. It was the mercy of God that made him go about doing good. God's mercy caused him to go to Jerusalem. God's mercy had him stand before Pilate and hold his tongue. He could have called an army of angels at any time, but the mercy of God had him do that. The mercy of God had him carry his cross through those streets, the mercy of God had him lie there as they, they nailed those nails into his hands and his feet. It was the mercy of God that had him hang there on that cross. It was the mercy of God that spoke and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It is the mercy of God that had him give up his, give up his spirit, breathe his last. It's the mercy of God. We are debtors to the mercy of God. Where would we be without the mercy of God? It says in Romans five, it says, but God demonstrates his love towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. His mercy. We're here today, not as a testimony of our efforts or of our perfection. We're here purely as a testimony to his mercy. In Romans 9, it talks about uh, the potter and the clay. It talks about one vessel for honor and one for dishonor. And it talks about vessels of wrath. We were vessels of wrath. Every, everyone we meet in the streets, vessels of wrath. Deserve judgment. But we call out for mercy. He's changed us. Now we have been made vessels of mercy. Romans 9, 23, that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory. Vessels of mercy. We we were prepared to receive judgment, but he has poured out his mercy. Where would we be without the mercy of God? Where would we be without that hand of forgiveness? I think we should praise God for his mercy. Praise God that he has spared us one more week to pray for those who are around us. One more day to pray for those family members who are run off into this world. One more day, Lord, have mercy on them. For those people in our friendships who who know nothing of God. For those people who make fun of, Lord, have mercy on them. Have mercy. We stand in the gap for those around us. Stand in the gap. It's our it's our right, it's our privilege to stand in the gap and call out for mercy. We have received such mercy, we should be the ones standing up there saying, Lord, have mercy. And if we know him, we can pray and call out all the more. Lord, have mercy. Lord God in heaven, Lord, we praise you, Lord, for your mercy. We thank you, dear God, that you have extended your mercy to us, that you have given us a door of escape, Lord. Lord, we know, Lord, we deserved so much less than we received. Lord, we know that we deserve judgment. We deserved, Lord, the full glare of your holiness, Lord. But you have preserved us, Lord. You have given us mercy, Lord, what we did not deserve. We thank you, Lord God, in heaven for your mercy. And Lord, we pray, Lord, you will pour out your mercy, Lord, on our families, oh God. We pray, oh God, you'll pour out your mercy in our community, oh God. We pray, oh God, that you'll have mercy on our friends. Lord, have mercy on them, Lord. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know where they're bound, Lord. Help us, Lord God, in heaven, Lord, to show your mercy to them, Lord. To tell them, Lord God, of your love and tender mercies. Lord God in heaven, have mercy in this day and age. Have mercy on us, O oh God, and help us, Lord, by your mighty hand, Lord. Amen. 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 Thanks, Jason. Put us in remembrance.